This is the Ezra Podcast. We're talking about Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikaze. And I told you, I put flavor on that last name. And this is a fight that, you know, everyone assumed going into it that, uh, the cater was done. He was not what everybody had thought he was previously to Max Holloway. And after Max Holloway exposed him, he would slowly diminish and just be a, you know, a stepping stone for everyone that was coming to a title shot. Now, I was a little weary of this, right? I was a little weary. I thought that um, it was a two-man division. And I still believe that. It's Max Holloway, Volkanovski, and everyone, even though they're talented, even though it's some depth in the division, are a few notches below the main two guys. And Calvin Cater is as good as anyone in that second lower tier of fighters in the division. And Giga, while talented, while uh, shows flashes and glimpses, doesn't have the all-around game to do that. Now, I picked Giga to win the fight, so I'm going to be 100% honest. I picked him to win the fight because I thought he had entered his zone and confidence, right, to be able to apply his game against uh, Calvin, who... You know, made some of the mistakes that I knew he was going to make in the fight, but the fundamentals that he had were superior to what Giga had. And when Giga just turned into basically a boxing fight in the match, his punches were never going to be able to keep up with Calvin Cater's uh, punches because it's Calvin Cater's technique and his how comfort level and the thought process that he, you know, it doesn't have to go through much thought process when he lets go shots. He kind of just knows what he's doing. He's kind of just one, two down the middle and the distance, and he's more comfortable with it. And I told you that Calvin Cater's distance was going to be very important in this fight. It's very important that, that he had the distance, was able to adjust. Well, if Giga tried to jump in, he could make him pay. And if he jabbed him, it would throw Giga off from being able to set up to explode, right? It would make Giga move. Now, he applied a lot more pressure than I imagined he was in this fight. And that was genius, too, because Giga couldn't fight off the back foot. Every time he had to move back, he, he couldn't do his explosions. The explosion was taken out, and then it just turned into a boxing match. And he did have some success. He landed some shots. Like I told you, Calvin Cater blocked shots. But when he puts his guard up, it's like you don't have the boxing gloves. And even, like, the best boxers who block shots, right, they move with the punch. They adjust, so they're, not, they're still not feeling the full brunt of it. He, he feels the full brunt of it, and those shots sneak through. And that's why he usually at least fights looking a little bruised up, a little tacked up, even if he's the one that clearly won the fight. Because, yes, he puts his hands up, but the shots still sneak in. He doesn't move with the punches. So now Calvin Cater, it's like, where, where do you go next with him, right? When he looks like that, really, anyone in the division is possible. Uh, Emmett, Allen, um, I'm forgetting the, the two, uh, I'm mixing up the two names, Ortega, and uh, who just fought uh, Max Holloway, I can't remember his name right now, but any of those guys are, are very possible opponents for him, and Calvin Cater is becoming one of the more entertaining guys in the UFC when it's like almost a guaranteed action fight when he fights, so that's going to increase his markability, so it's going to increase his chances he gets in the cage, because it works this way in boxing, but especially in MMA, especially in UFC with Dana White running it, if you have entertaining fights like that, right, and they, they are... You're winning, but there's still damage going back and forth, and it feels like any moment someone can get put to sleep. 
you're going to get more opportunities because he, it's an entertainment business and Dana White's going to sell the entertainment of that. So he's going to get any opportunities, right? You got Korean Zombie getting a title shot. Now, we don't know when Max Holloway's coming back. I imagine when he comes back, he gets on Max title shot, but we don't know when he's going to come back. So now Calvin Cater, to me, puts himself right in there with Brian Ortega. And um, I don't know why I can't remember. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. What was Max Holloway's last fight? And I don't like doing this during podcasts. I don't. But I, this is going to bother me. It's like, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that I don't know this right now. It's rather than tip of my tongue. Yair Rodriguez. Yair Rodriguez. He's right there with Yair Rodriguez. And honestly, I would probably pick... I would. No, I would. I'm going to say that right now. I don't have it on my official pick, right? Because I don't get to break it down. But I would have Calvin Cater favorite to all of them, right? I thought, even though I just picked Giga. Like, that's the thing. It's like... People would say, like, wow, if you just had, like... I was the one warning everyone that this was not going to be the clear one runaway fight for Giga. That he was going to have problems because he had never done it to a guy that leveled Calvin Cater. And we tried to sell Calvin Cater that he was a stepping stone, and I told you he wasn't that. So I'm going to tell you, from what I saw, and the what Giga looked like, and what these other guys bring to the table is a lot similar to what he is, Calvin Cater is probably the best of the bunch. I really think that. I really do. I really think that. So, f- from there, right, if you give him Ortega, I'd favor him over Ortega. If you give him Yair, I'd favor him over Yair. Maybe he just can't beat Max. And maybe Volkanovski is a better matchup for him because Volkanovski doesn't have the exact power at the weight division that, you know, that would tear up Cater's uh, face, right? Would damage his face and do the damage that Max Holloway's shots were doing. If he could keep coming forward, right, and get into like a boxing max Volkanovski, his power might be paying more effect. Now, I did see something on Twitter that was interesting, was saying that his athleticism was diminished from the Max Holloway fight. I could see that in some sorts. I do think he had to be more cautious in this fight, and I think he's probably more cautious because he took so much damage in the last fight. He probably didn't want to repeat of that. I well, Time's going to tell whether his athleticism diminished. You don't take beans like that, and you don't diminish it in some way. I do think that his cardio was pretty terrible in this fight. And I think the last two rounds, if uh, Chikaze was able to, you know, get a second wind and try to push it, I thought he could have had some success. But Calvin Kidder really looked dead, and so did Chikaze. But Chikaze was taking a beating. Calvin Kidder fought a smart fight. He looked... Uh, he looked like what we expected before the Max fight. Like, if this fight had happened, the Max fight had happened, and this fight had happened, you'd just be like, this guy's the next world champ. That's really where we'd be at. But the beating he took by Max, he looked so f- much levels below Max. They, he's really going to have to earn back to where we feel like, hey, he's could be a future champ. Because you're always going to remember, like, the Max fight. That's why, like, with me, Brian Ortega's never going to be a champ. I've seen him get smoked by Max all the way, and I've seen him get smoked by Volkanovski. He is not that level. Okay, Yair looked more that level to me in the Max Holloway fight than Brian Ortega did. And I hope those two guys fight. But that he looked more at the level. Though, to me, Ortega is tough as they come, right? He'll On the ground, he's dangerous. But in a standard fight, he just does not have it. He just, though his, his fists are not connected to his brain like that. It takes too much time, too much delay. And he's not as loose as what Volkanovski is going to be, what Max Holloway is going to be. And I just don't think that his ground game as far as like a takedown or something like that is effective enough to where he could really uh, threaten these guys. Right? So, Kelvin Cater, though, in our mind, we know what Max Holloway did to him. I don't know what Volkanovski did to him. I think that might be the better matchup. I don't really 
see any interest in him fighting Max Holloway again, right? It's a hard sell to me. At least, you know, he probably needs to go through like two more main guys before he do something like that. But I think Volkanovski is it's it is sellable to me. I can't see it. I can't see that being a good fight. I can't see a way for uh Cater to win that fight. With Giga, you know, like I said, same thing with Max Holloway beating uh and I th- they said that's I believe on the broadcast. That you know, it's similar to the the loss they you know they that Cater had to Max Holloway. It's just, you know, we got to work a game, got to get better. And this is what that level looks like. I think Giga, right in the middle of the pack with all those guys. Like I said, there's not, I don't think there's a lot of distance from, if you go to the rankings, take out Max Holloway. All the other guys, they're right next to each other. Each guy's going to, there's going to be a lot of win and losses if those guys fight each other. A lot of trades. I think Giga is still a very good fighter. I think, I've seen things I liked, but. He really is dependent on the kicks in his game. If he doesn't have that, he's not going to win a lot of fights just his hands. Um, it's, a, it's a deep division, but it's a two-man division. I still stand by that. I think Calvin Cater, depending on matchup, can't fight Max. I don't think he'll ever have a chance in that fight. Uh, Volkanovski, I'm interested to see what that looks like cause, just because of the lack of Volkanovski power. Okay, we go to uh, the other card, the boxing card of the night, and you had Joe Smith Jr. versus Steve Giffard, right? I believe that's the name, Giffard. I was calling him Jefford, but it's, I believe it's Giffard. Um, this fight was one exactly what what I said. Um, it you know ended a little later, but from the what I said, the third round we get a stoppage. From the third round, he he didn't have a shot at winning the fight anymore. And going into this fight, Steve. The late replacement, right, to Joe Smith. He, you know, he had said that he had sparred Bavo, has sparred uh, Mirtaviv, has sparred Kovalev, and he felt confident to do that. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with sparring, but in sparring, usually, if you are the guy that's coming in as a sparring partner, right, to the main guy who's going to be fighting for the title, or the, you know, the guy paying you to spar him, uh, usually you go four rounds with him. And there'll be three guys, right? And they'll put a guy in there four rounds, take him out. Another guy comes in four rounds, take him out. And another guy goes in four rounds. Why do they do that? So you're constantly getting the freshest guy, right? Because maybe you can't get a guy that matches the skill of, you know, the guy you're fighting. But if you're tired after four rounds, you get a new guy and he's fresh. You go with him and then he gets tired. And then you bring another guy to your last four rounds and he's fresh, right? A lot of times, too, you know, you don't want the guy, some guys with the highest skills. Like, they'll put in a guy in there that's like an amateur or something like that. So, you can really work your game, work something. There's different techniques to it. Now, I believe the Steve uh, Gafford, Gaffard, um, definitely sparred these guys. I believe that he definitely has some positive moments in these sparring sessions. The thing is, with those sparring sessions, like I said, you get the four rounds. I believe that he also won four rounds with the top guys. And that's what it looked like. It looked like once he won four rounds with Joe Smith, he really didn't have nothing out of that. It was like a mental block. And he could do some talented things. He's a talented guy. He could do some good things in the ring. I'm not saying that. And I said that going into this fight. But he's not used to... See, what it took for him to be competitive in the first three rounds, mentally, he's not there. He doesn't have the stamina. He doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't have the experience to to keep up with that. And you can see that mentally he started falling apart. That's out of exhaustion. It's out of mental exhaustion of keeping up the speed that Joe Smith is used to being at because Joe Smith has experience at that level. When a college football player goes to the NFL, the first thing they tell you is they got to keep up with, they got to catch up to the speed. They don't just mean the physical. They mean the mental speed of it, right? That everyone, you are no longer a standout. 
everyone now is as fast as you, as strong as you, and thinks as fast, and maybe thinks faster than you, has all the experience. Every, you are back to playing when you were a kid, playing with older kids, right? That's what um, Steve was realizing in this fight. The, he could do it the first few rounds, and then suddenly, that speed, the skill, the experience, he, was, he just got mentally exhausted. And suddenly he started closing up and the shots were coming a lot faster than he wanted. He could no longer keep up with that speed, no longer keep up with the movement, the twitches, everything that he was trying to read. It was too much for him. And Joe Smith, the experience he did, he had in the fight, applied it when he needed to, right? He had fun. They played with his food a little bit. I think Joe Smith's kind of a limited fighter. If he fights in the way that he can fight, he can give you... You know, some trouble if you're not in shape, right? If you're a top guy and you're not in shape, you um, give him what he wants. Joe Smith could put you in trouble, okay? He's going to make you pay for it. If you give him what he wants, he's going to make you pay. Steve's style kind of fit in what Joe Smith wanted. And once um, he could no longer keep up with the speed of it, then it just all fell apart for him. Now, I'm still not high on Joe Smith. Did I think that was a great performance? It was okay performance. It was the performance he was supposed to have against that guy. Not his fault. They replaced him. But also the fight before wasn't too interested in that as well, right? I with Joe Smith, I with everyone, I don't care to watch your tune-ups. I don't care to watch guys that are. If you're the top five and you're not fighting top five guys, you kind of lose me a little bit. You have Bivol, you have Birtaviv, you have uh, Zerto. Those are the three guys I pick. One of those three guys make that happen. Now I understand the business gets in the way. We talk about that all the time, but really. Joe Smith, you're right there with Beardaviv. You're under the same network. Get that fight done. Let's get this done. I'm not blaming Joe Smith on that fight. I'm not blaming Beardaviv. I don't know who it is, but let's get that fight done. You guys are on the same side. You're both getting older. Make that fight happen. You both fight the way that you want the other guy to fight. You don't have to go chase someone. You're going to go right at each other. People, it, it's built up long enough. I don't know how Joe Smith has become such a household name or such a debate on you know, who has the best resume. At the end of it, you had Tim Bradley talking about Joe Smith's resume, right? Like if it was something great, and he said, hey, beat Bernard Hawkins, what are we talking about? He beat Bernard Hawkins at 50 years old. I don't understand. I don't understand how, would we forget that, that Bernard Hawkins was 50 years old? He was 50 years old, okay? Are we going to give Roy, uh, Tyson credit for beating Roy Jones and their little thing? Are you going to give uh, Bernard Hawkins credit for beating Roy Jones when he was, you know, an old man, past his prime? Okay, stop that. Okay, that's a, that wasn't that's not the biggest win of the current guys right now. We're play make believe. If Joe Smith is what he is, then fight one of the best guys and prove it. Because the resume he has right now is weak to me. But all the guys' resumes are weak. Beardaviv had the best win because the guy he beat beat um, Adonis Stevenson, right? Ended Adonis Stevenson's career. That guy won the ring Beardaviv, and Beardaviv ended his career. That's the way it worked. That's why he has the best resume. Bivol, to me, has the most ability of all the guys, but he doesn't not fight anyone. But he did beat Joe Smith, so his resume is better. Serto, he didn't find anyone. Think you're talented. Think you have some things. But, you know, fight someone. And I'm not saying some, anyone's dodging anyone. I just make it happen. I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of talking business. Let's just see the fights. I think we got a great weekend of fights coming up. We got Gone versus Nagano. Or Nagano versus Gone. Could be Nagano, Nagano's uh, final UFC uh, fight. Something tells me it isn't. 
you have uh, we have Gary Russell coming up. We got rumors of a Canelo fight being announced soon. The quotes I have is boxing experts are uh, boxing purists are not gonna like it, but purists will. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what the hell's up with the confusion. I don't even know what the hell they could be talking about. There's not even an obvious like circus fight for Canelo. People are saying Usman. I don't. I just I don't think Usman's that big a name outside of the UFC. Okay, he's not Conor McGregor. So unless it's maybe Conor McGregor, that would make way more sense than Usman. Right? Because Usman is not a big name outside of the UFC. Now, is it going to be Logan Paul, Jake Paul? Who would sanction it? Honestly, who would sanction that fight? Will it be a guy at 190, which seems to make more sense, right? Makabu? I'm okay with that. That's a t- that's a, For the guy that... Okoli's fighting, lost to Makabu. And people are saying that's a good matchup. And Okoli's like the number two guy in the weight division. So if that guy lost, and that's an okay fight for the number two guy, then Canelo jumping up to weight classes from 168.7 all the way to 190 or 195 to fight Makabu, the number three guy in the division, who beat the guy that Okoli's fighting that everybody's okay with, then that should be fine. So I hope that that's the fight. I don't want a circus act. I don't, I, the thing is, that you're gonna, people are going to lose me, right? I've defended Canelo on everything. I think he's the best fighter in the world. I, I don't think he's afraid of anyone. I think that um, I think he wants people to fight each other so that when he beats them, it's worth his time, right? And legacy as well. But if you give me some bullcrap fight against Usman, if you give me a bullcrap fight against Jake Paul, Logan Paul, or any like that, I will turn on you, right? Donaire, to me, had all the momentum in the world and then pulled this crap with Casemiro... Now I'm going to turn on you, okay? You, you are hurting your own career, or you are hurting boxing. You are hurting the fans. They, we're getting behind you, okay? Don't do that. Ride momentum. Don't be afraid of momentum. If Canelo announces some bullcrap, that's not Makabu, right? That's not Peter Biv. That's not Joe Smith Jr. That's not uh, Benavides. That's not Charlo. I'm going to be pissed. I will, and I'll, I'll be critical, and I'll say all the things, because you're the number one guy, okay? Your career isn't done yet. Handle your business now for your legacy and for boxing, and there's money to be made with these other guys. It's not like there's no money to be made. I understand that there was no money to be made. There's money to be made. We're, uh, rumors, well, it sounds like more than rumors, honestly. It sounds like it's closing in on a deal. Shakur Stevenson versus Oscar Valdez. I mean, you cannot. There's no way you, no one. There's no way someone's critical of that fight. That's a great fight. People are very low on Oscar Valdez. He did that T thing, right? The T thing happened, where it looked like you know he pissed hot, and then you get to Shakur Stevenson, and people could not be higher on him, right? And you gotta really think, you know, he beat Jamal Herring. I didn't, you know, Jamal Herring's a good fighter, not a great fighter, not. Could be argued is he an A minus? I don't think so. He's probably more of a B plus fighter. But suddenly this made him unbeatable. It's made Shakur unbeatable at this point. And now people, because Valdez struggled his last fight with the T conspiracy, and now he's the most beatable champion in the world. And you got two guys on complete different ends of the spectrum here. I'm not sure which one's right or which one's wrong. They could both be right. But they, they but one guy's a champ, Valdez. The other guy's supposed to be the next big thing and they're going to meet up and they're both young they're both still got it they both still you know dominate in their own way right 
uh, especially with Valdez against Burchell, which is a fight that I didn't see coming. I thought Burchell was going to run through Valdez. And then Valdez, at, if he looks like that, I mean, it looked amazing. But then against Concepcion, he looked back to what I always thought he was, like kind of average, hit or miss performances. If he looks like he does against Burchell, against Shakur, that's a good fight. And if Shakur, I know he beat Jamal Herring, and I know we want to do that, but there was a lot of performances before that that weren't impressive. The guys are very limited. They just couldn't get to them. So I, I get we're on two opposite ends of the spectrum, but I want to see this fight. I think this fight might be a lot better than people are, are assuming it is. Now, right now, like I said, not my official pick. My official pick is on here. You'll know my official pick when I break it down. I'm leaning Shakur, right? I'm leaning Shakur just because Valdez has a bunch of performances where I'm like, didn't look too great. But if he likes that, if that, if it's the Burchell performance, then that's a close fight. That's a good fight. That's a competitive fight. Especially with Shakur not really having that much power. And Valdez will flurry on your arms, right? Like, and he is a name, so he could steal scorecards like that. I like that fight. I think boxing needs to deliver more of these fights. I think Top Rank needs to put out, like, an official statement of their card, because I know they have, like, four fights in it. But they're just, like, so sneakily done. It's like, why? Why not? Put something out that's like a poster at least. Something that says like, hey, this is what we're throwing out here. Come watch. None of that. Haven't got anything for PBC. Uh, DAZN's the only one who has a thing out. With Golden Boy has fights on there. They're the only ones with a schedule out. And that right there steals headlines. I don't understand. Uh, I know Showtime will do it, right? Because they're the ones that started doing this. But I don't get what... Like, especially too, like uh, Fox and PBC, right? Post that pay-per-view monthly. We know we have the Thurman fight coming. What's your March? Because April looks like Earl Spence and you guys. So what's going on in March? Like, get something. Go and give us a head time to people to build up and talk about it. You give, you give up the head time like that, I'll talk about it on my podcast. I will hype you up. I'll go. I'll, look, I'm talking about, I talk about Showbox. I talk about everything. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra Podcast.